ان الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستهديه ونؤمن به ونتوكل عليه ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا وسيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان سيدنا محمدا عبده ورسوله ونبيه وصفيه وحبيبه بلغ الرساله وادى الامانه ونصح للامه وجاهد في سبيل الله حتى اتاه اليقين وتركنا على المحجه البيضاء ليلها كنهارها لا يزيغ عنها الا هالك اللهم صل وسلم على سيدنا محمد في الاولين وصل وسلم على سيدنا محمد في الاخرين وصل وسلم على سيدنا محمد في الملأ الاعلى الى يوم الدين وعلى اله الاطهار وعلى اصحابه الاخيار وعلى اتباعه الابرار الى يوم الدين يا ايها الذين امنوا اتقوا الله حق تقاته ولا تموتن الا وانتم مسلمون يا ايها الناس اتقوا ربكم الذي خلقكم من نفس واحده وخلق منها زوجها وبث منهما رجالا كثيرا ونساء واتقوا الله الذي تساءلون به والارحام ان الله كان عليكم رقيبا يا ايها الذين امنوا اتقوا الله وقولوا قولا سديدا يصلح لكم اعمالكم ويغفر لكم ذنوبكم ومن يطع الله ورسوله فقد فاز فوزا عظيما وبعد فان اصدق الحديث كتاب الله وان خير الهدي هدي سيدنا ومولانا رسول الله وان شر الامور لمحدثاتها كل محدثة بدعة وكل بدعة ضلالة وكل ضلالة في النار Why is it that sometimes people fight over ideas Why is it sometimes we have disagreements based on words and ideas that can actually lead to violence and in some cases loss of life and in other cases acts of war and aggression all the time we are surrounded by these types of scenarios and in an open and free society like ours in our own lives we are used to being with people in different gatherings in different environments sharing each other's opinions and ideas whether it's at home or whether it's with the community or your neighbors or at work or online even we're always somehow trying to see what the other person thinks about a certain thing maybe we don't want to embarrass ourselves and, and we're scared that our opinion is not shared or maybe we're genuinely we want to know what people think about this or what we think about that or maybe you test the person as is the case that we have uh, I've witnessed many times in the mosque you know in the early days people would come after juma and you know mention sir what do you say about this what do you say about that they want to know what your opinion is about this and that because they want to know if you're on the same team and as americans specifically when it comes to our civic life we're surrounded inundated with the discord the political discourse in which we are 
uh, almost, the country is almost torn in half over a lot of these political issues. Why is it the case? Why, why do these issues, why do ideas, why do words cause this, these differences? And why do these differences get heated? When we think about that, oftentimes we find ourselves saying, well, it's because so-and-so, they have a different perspective. And we talk about the word perspective. And that's true. A lot of the, uh, most of these things are due to perspective. But to understand perspective and to avoid the detrimental effects that it oftentimes has, it's important to, understanding, to understand another related concept. And that's the concept of time itself. Now, as believers in our belief system, we believe, as the Prophet ﷺ informed us, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala was and nothing was with Allah. Can Allah wa la And what that hadith means, amongst its meanings, is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala was, Allah ta'ala is outside all of the parameters of the created universe. So anything that we use to describe what we observe from life around us, space, uh, color, size, weight, texture, all of these parameters, Allah created these parameters, and therefore Allah is outside of these parameters. Laysa Nothing is like Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So Allah is the creator of all of these parameters. And one of those parameters, one of those dimensions is time itself. Allah is outside of time. That's why the hadith says, Can Allah wala shayma? Allah was, and in the Arabic language, the past tense is used not only for time, but to emphasize the quality of a thing. Kuntum khayra ummatin ukhrijat nas. Allah says in the Quran, You were the best of nations. And many khatibs, they say, Oh, look, laments this verse and see, even Allah says, We were good, but now we suck. But that's not what the verse means. Allah says, Kuntum khayru ummatin ukhrijat nas." In the past tense, you were the best of nations to emphasize that you still and always will be the best of nations because you do these things. So this hadith itself indicates that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is outside of time. And therefore, time is one of those dimensions. And we forget that. And the reason we forget that is because we are inside these parameters. We are inside time. Now, we abstractly know what time is. If I say time, you, know, you kind of understand your morning, afternoon, now, tomorrow, next step. You, 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 we kind of understand that intuitively. So what's the big deal? Well, the big deal is that time is not perceived and experienced the same by all of us. That's the key. That we experience time differently. Think about uh, if you're taking an exam at school. Right? It might be 30, 45 minutes, and you're not prepared. Or I'm, maybe I'm speaking of myself, but you, you go to the exam, those are very long minutes. Very long minutes. <clears throat> Think about the same amount of time that you watch something that's engaging online. You know, the 45 minutes might spill into two, three hours, and you don't even notice it. But it's the same amount of time, if not longer. But your experience of that time is different. And the ultimate description of this difference, I mean, in a religious point of view, the ultimate description of this, when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the Quran talks about the hereafter. 
Many of the Meccan verses, the verses revealed in the Meccan period of the seerah of the Prophet ﷺ, speak about matters of the hereafter. Talk about the pleasures of heaven, the torment of the hellfire, the nearness of the hour. And in the midst of this description, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَيَرَوْنَهُ But they see it as something far away, and we see it and know it as something near. The Prophet ﷺ, he says, I and the hour were sent like this. Now, we haven't experienced the hour yet. But the Prophet ﷺ said, I was sent and the hour like this, meaning back to back. Allah says, we, they, meaning the people that the verses are addressed to, they see Yom Al-Qiyamah, oh man, that's, you know, that's way, way in the future. <clears throat> and we see it near. And Allah talks about the Qur'an, in the Qur'an, He talks about the different time zones in the heavens that the angels experience different than mankind. One year with Allah, or one day with Allah is like a thousand with us. One year with Allah is like five thousand with us. Those verses that talk about, now th these are different ratios experienced by different types mm -hmm. of angels, because the angels are, you know, it's a whole other subject, different ranks, different types, etc. Allah Ta'ala emphasizing the fact that time itself is relative and different. So when we die and the Qur'an says, Kem How long was your life? And we say, Yawman aw A day or part of a day. Your whole life will feel like a matter of minutes in comparison with that new time zone that you're in. Because when you look back, you're like, whoa, that was like two minutes. This whole journey was two minutes. But most people, they don't get it. They see it far away. And Allah says, but we see it near. So Allah emphasizes for us this difference and experience of time. And, and I gave you some secular examples. You can, you, you, we kind of get that. I think that we can experience time differently. Now, why is that important vis-a-vis -vis perspective and differences? People that think they have all the time in the world to do something are not necessarily motivated to do that thing. <clears throat> I do it tomorrow. Or I just put it off. You know, sofa, we say in Arabic. I will, inshallah. And if they're smart enough, they'll they'll recite the hadith, al all actions are based on intent. My intent, inshallah, I'll do it tomorrow. Right? The Muslim, inshallah, tomorrow. You're not motivated. But if you see you don't have all the time in the world. If you see that life is short, if you see that you only got a little bit of opportunity to make something of your life, you're going to grab that opportunity with everything that you have, and you're going to plow through all of the obstacles to reach something. And one of the themes and one of the similarities between successful people in the secular world is they see the urgency of what they're doing. I'm going to do it now. I'm not going to wait till tomorrow. It's better done now. Why wait till tomorrow? Sort of in business culture and startup culture and finance. I'm going to do it now. Why wait? Again, the different perspective of time. Now, when we, unfortunately, in the in the in the contemporary moment, a lot of the people that are hailed up as our examples, yes, they see the urgency of time, so they want to act now, but their perspective is not high enough because they're only seeing the dunya as the end result. Which is why a lot of successful people are actually jerks. 
and horrendous in their interpersonal skills <clears throat> and can be lethal, broken homes, divorce, marriages, deceit, all of these in their personal lives. But in the realm of the public, they are held up as saints of their industry, captain of industry, saints, reformers, visionary, all of these words. But we know that this is not our example. We have another example, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And the thing about the Prophet is Allah Ta'ala talks about his, his perspective as being celestial. Literally, We see you turning to us in the heavens, in the verses talking about the Qibla. Yeah, we read the hadith with the Prophet most of his, his sight was low. But that doesn't mean, you know, he walked around like, you know, I'm a defeated person. That's not what it means. You see people, they try to imitate these hadith without having a teacher to show them. So you know, they walk around like this, and this is the sunnah. Where I'm going to lower my gaze until they walk into the wall. Right? The Prophet wasn't walking into the walls. But the Prophet had, he had a high perspective. And because of that, we have no hadith in which the Prophet yells at his wife for making you know, the stew too hot. Or yells at his daughter for, you know, his thobe is ripped. We don't have that. But for those celebrity examples today, we have ample stories. You know, he was so critical. Uh, Steve Jobs was so critical of the detail that he made the waiter return the orange juice 10 times. Like, that's the sign of success. Right? Maybe he's OCD. Maybe that's what the sign is. But we don't have hadith that the Prophet ﷺ did things like that. We have no hadith that the Prophet ﷺ yelled at somebody because of Malik. Radiallahu anhu said, I served in the house of the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa for 10 years, a whole decade, and not one time did he question what I did in the house. Meaning, he's sweeping this, he's moving that, he's cleaning this. He, he, the Prophet never said, Oh, can you just wait, or can you put that over there, or can you, you know, the smell is really irritating me and I can't concentrate, the revelation is not coming, I can't concentrate. We have not one time in a decade. Did the Prophet ﷺ comment on those things because his perspective was high. And his concept of time was deep. He knew that those matters in the scale of what he saw in time doesn't matter. It doesn't matter, you know, if this is ripped or this doesn't taste well or if we skipped a meal, it's okay, you know, we can make it up. What matters are other things. And if people, and this is important, if you don't if you think that there's a bifurcation between the issues of religion and spirituality and the dunya, think about what the Prophet accomplished from a secular point of view. The political and military strength that that man mustered in less than a decade. Because for 13 years they were struggling in Mecca, almost on the verge of annihilation. Really, it wasn't until maybe the Treaty of Al-Hudaybiyah that things turned around, which was at the seventh year of the Hijrah. So in a matter of years, really, less than five, five at the most, all of Arabia was politically and militarily under his control, sallallahu alayhi wa So if you want to talk about success and benchmark, worldly success and benchmark, there you have it. From a man who was angelic and beautiful and patient and always smiling and kind and never critical of the people around him sallallahu alaihi wasallam and that's because of his perspective
and that's because of his understanding of time. His understanding of time and his lofty perspective led him to make strategic decisions that we that the Ummah benefited from until today. Like for example, the treaty we just mentioned, the Treaty of Al Hudaybiyah, in which outwardly the companions saw this as a loss. Okay, there was peace, but the Muslims from Mecca had to go back to Mecca. They couldn't stay in Medina. Oh, they couldn't perform the Hajj. Even though they left for the Hajj, they saw this as a big defeat. All of these things, if you looked at the short term, you would have seen that, we would have seen the same thing, as that as a defeat. But because of that, the Prophet ﷺ instantaneously after the return to Medina, he started writing all of these letters to all of the rulers of the world. To Kisra, Khosro II. To Heraclius, Flavius Heraclius, the Muqawqas of Egypt, the king of Bahrain and Oman, the leader of Damascus, the Najashi of Abyssinia, of the kingdom of Axum, all of these people, in, in less than one year, because of that treaty, the Prophet was bolstered on the international scene as an international statesman. And his political claim was legitimate. And that all of those places ended up coming into the fold of Islam one way or another within the first 50 years of, uh, after the death of the Prophet Because his concept of time was deep. And his perspective was high. Another example is his decision with the hypocrites. This, you know, this fifth column inside Medina that was seditious, that plotted with the enemy, that sold state secrets, that gave away fortified positions, that colluded with the enemy in a time of war. We're not talking about one or two people, but we're talking about multiple people. Whom the Prophet ﷺ knew their names and divulged those names to... Uh, the Sahabi, Hudayfa ibn Yamama, you know, who was probably the first head of Islamic uh, state intelligence, I guess. He knew all their names. So the Sahaba said, give us this name. You gave them to Hudayfa, give us those names and we'll take care of them. And the Prophet said, no, because in the future, they will say that Muhammad killed his companions. That statement is so deep. Because the hypocrites outwardly professed their Islam. But secretly did all those other things. And the Prophet ﷺ did not want this to become an excuse in the future. That if you say I'm a Muslim, that you're not safe amongst Muslims. That if you say that you're a companion of the Prophet ﷺ, that's not enough. And that somehow there would be this measuring stick of faith. So his perspective was far and high. He saw the ramifications of what could happen if he did that. But rather he coexisted with all of that nonsense until his final years, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And even after that, Hudayfa never told anyone their names. All Hudayfa would do, radiallahu anhu, is when one of the hypocrites died, he would not go to the janazah prayer. And then the other companions knew that this was one of the hypocrites and they let it be, they just buried the body. Now take all of that and go back to where we were in the beginning. Think about the differences that we have with one another. Think about people that fight over a football match. People that fight over a policy of, of, of government. Or they fight over political parties. 
people in, the, in their own family, in the one family will not speak to each other because of the way somebody would vote. And think about how better served we would be in our own personal life if we had a deeper understanding of time. That we only have a little bit really that Allah has given us. So we should seize it. Seize it with all of our might to make something of the time that we've been given. And to keep our perspective high. I mean, it's, it's a cliche now, right? But that's what Michelle Obama said. She made that popular. Right? When they go low, we go high. What does that mean? Is that the higher you are physically, the further you can see. If you go up you know, a, a, a mountain peak or when you're in the plane, the higher that the plane goes, the further that you can see. Well, that's what happens with your perspective. The higher your perspective is, the way the perspective of the Prophet was, the further you will see. You won't get worked up over little things. You know when somebody, you're praying next to, this has happened to all of us in the West, right? You pray next to somebody, and then after the prayer, the person says, you put their hand on me, brother, sister. I have to point out all the mistakes you made in your prayer. You made 16.5 errors, <coughs> according to the, the holy book of, of Shaykh al-Islam al-Anbani. Right? We've all had that conversation with people. That's a very, very narrow perspective, right? But we have a plethora of opinions. And when I, when I am with my teachers, the people that I feel are the most learned and the people I look to, to when I get stuck, which is pretty much all the time, I have rarely seen them correct anyone in public or in private. Because they're always finding, yeah, you know, there's this, this weird opinion in fiqh, but it says that. They'll even say, yeah, but you know, there's an opinion amongst the Shia that allow that, so maybe he's following, or maybe she's following that opinion. Never see them correct anyone. Never see them say, you know, brother, sister. Even, even people that would, would come in and knowingly make a mistake. I mean, we know by ittifaq, by consensus, they make a mistake in their prayer. You know, maybe a couple days later, they'll make it into a lesson or something. Really roundabout. Because their perspective is high. Because they're looking at the fact that, alhamdulillah, the person is in the mosque. You know, alhamdulillah, the person has come to, to learn. Alhamdulillah, maybe there's a convert. Alhamdulillah, the person came to Islam. You know, that's a huge step that they've taken. Inshallah, Allah will facilitate their, their perspective was high the way that the Prophet's perspective was high. Don't think all of the Sahaba were superstar scholars. Of the 114,000 known uh, Sahaba that we say marched with the Prophet in the year of the Fath of Mecca, only 20,000 of those prayed Janazah over the Prophet And we really only have biographical in information, less than 10,000 of them. So the Sahaba that we talk about, you know, Abu Bakr and Omar and Uthman and Ali and Khalid ibn Walid and Amr ibn al-Asr, it's only a few thousand. There are many, many more Sahaba that maybe are not known by name, that were average people, that maybe their prayer was mediocre, their wudu was mediocre, their ibadah was mediocre, but they had the suhbah, the companionship of the Prophet because the Prophet gazed at them. Not that they gazed at the Prophet, but the Prophet gazed at them. And that, that faith lasted for their whole life. Right? Because the Prophet had perspective. Mm. So I think if we think about that, and we try to convert this like into a sunnah of, of perspective and time, I think, pretty sure that we will avoid a lot of the conflicts that we find ourselves in, even in our personal lives.
أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم اللهم صل وسلم وبارك على سيدنا وحبيبنا وقدوتنا وقرة أعيننا سيدنا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه وسلم So we have one death in the extended community Anwar Bayum who died today in, in Bangladesh so we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for maqbar and tawbah insha'Allah and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless the deceased in these final blessed days of Qurdul Hijjah and there are two people in the community that are sick Mahbub Haq and Amina Khan we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for speedy recovery insha'Allah for all of those that are sick and all of those that are, are ill we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for his shifa insha'Allah a few brief announcements before the dua one is that uh, we'll have a Friday halaqah resuming today that will be at 7 o'clock uh, and it will end, of course, at Maghrib, and then after Maghrib, there will be some Q&A. And um, we'll, we'll keep that time for the next few weeks, and then as Maghrib gets uh, earlier, we'll figure out the new times. But so, so for the next few weeks, it will be 7 p.m. Uh, Tarif's halaqa on Sunday will be at 5.45 a.m. Uh, we are going to, after the prayer, uh, Brother Walid, who read Quran for us, is going to give us a short update on the Syria project, which the mosque has been involved in. So if you, after the... Salam, we'll just have him speak right away that everyone can listen. And also today is uh, Muslim Voter Registration Day. I think I got that right. And there are people outside that are helping uh, us register to vote. Uh, so this is simply to register to vote. So that's important. It's a civic responsibility and it's important. If you think voting is haram, uh, come and talk to me. And then you can go to the booth and sign up. Uh, we, can, we can sort all of that out, inshallah. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to bless us, to have mercy upon us, and to forgive us for our shortcomings. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to protect our families and our children. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to have mercy on our parents. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to have forgiveness for those who have died before us. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to protect our center and to help it grow and stay secure. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for peace and blessings for all of our neighbors. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to lift us with the light of the Qur'an and to lift us with the light of the sunnah of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Allahumma ahdina fi man hadayt. Allahumma aafina fi man aafayt. Wa tawallana fi man tawallayt. Allahumma barik lana fi ma aatayt. Allahumma qina wasrif anna sharra ma qadayt. Allahumma taqabbal salatana wa siyamana wa qiyamana wa ruku'ana wa sujudana ya arhamur rahimin. اللهم اغفر لنا ذنوبنا وإسرافنا في أمرنا اللهم ثبت أقدامنا وانصرنا على القوم الكافرين اللهم انقلنا من دائرة سخطك إلى دائرة رضاك وافتح علينا فتوح العارفين بك واحشرنا تحت لواء نبيك صلى الله عليه وسلم يوم القيامة اللهم اسقنا من يده الشريفة شربة ماء لا نظمأ بعدها أبدا ثم أدخلنا الجنة بغير حساب ولا سابقة عقاب ولا عتاب اللهم متعنا بالنظر إلى وجهك الكريم في جنات القرد يا رحيم اللهم ارحم حينا وميتنا وحاضرنا وغائبنا اللهم ارفع أيدي الأمم عنا وأقمنا بالحق وأقمنا وأقم الحق بنا وآخر دعوانا أن الحمد لله رب العالمين وصل اللهم على سيدنا ومولانا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه وسلم وأقم الصلاة إن صلاة كانت على المؤمنين كتابا يا رسول الله الله أكبر الله أكبر